0: Hi, I'm Kate Bailey. I'm a coach, an author, and a sober mama. And this is Love Sober, the podcast for the sober and sober curious. Welcome back to Love Sober the podcast with the sober and sober curious and today I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by Courtney McMahon. Courtney is the radical wellness and she is a holistic sobriety coach Um, and we've known each other for a couple of years haven't we? Yeah yeah. I think we've been trying to record
1: the podcast for a couple of years. (laughs) Yes it's coming up on a couple of years that we've been (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, we've known each other for a couple of years now and I'm just so happy to be here seeing your face on Zoom again and um, having a chat
0: with you. Yeah, I'm in Connecticut. So it's about five for me, so it's early in the morning for you. Yes, which is
1: reminiscent of when I was training with you because (laughs) I would wake up at
0: was it two or three <gasps> o'clock in the morning oh my goodness you <laughs> the- did, didn't did you yeah because we yeah, had quite yeah. early starts on those weekend days yeah. yeah so um Courtney um did the addictive behaviors coaching um, program when we were running that with uh with Mandy for the coaching academy mm-hmm. oh that was awesome I remember those yeah. days yeah yeah it was such so- a nice group it was a lovely group wasn't it so yes i'm so i'm really delighted that um courtney's come on today because she is yeah she's a sober sister and you know as we we always do we we're gonna sort of dive into your story a little bit if you don't mind about what brought you yeah to the decision to be alcohol free sure yeah um so my
1: story is um really goes along the lines that i was um you know (laughs) drinking Uh, i started drinking when i was a teenager like most of us do um kind of just to make sure that i was could stay in the mix socially it was never for me i never had that experience where i took a drink and immediately loved drinking i i really drank um starting in high school so that i could be included and feel like I was a part of of the mix, but it was never something that I I loved. Um I say that I worked really hard to get good at drinking <laughs> until it became, you know, not so good. Um and that was really, you know, connected to me moving to New York City. I went to college in New York City. Um I started a career in advertising in New York City when I was in my 20s and Um, worked at an advertising production agency that was um, British owned and had um, this combination of, of, you know, advertising drinking culture, plus the, you know, boys club drinking culture. And I really flexed my, my drinking muscles during that period of, of time. And um, it just, drinking became ingrained in everything that i did in um my my work life my social life my relationship um it was just alcohol was always there um it was you know for me for me being highly ambitious in my career i went hand in hand with you know that kind of work hard play hard mentality and um it was just a part of, of my life, my existence, everything that I did. Mm. And I, I think that I struggled with my, I don't think I know, I struggled with my drinking internally for a very long time before I came to the realization that, um, you know, alcohol was a problem. It was, it was the problem for me. It was, you know, problematic in so many ways. And so if to kind of like, I mean, I could go on all of the details. I had many sort of aha moments, you know, that could have been rock bottoms um and weren't. Uh I when I was um you know so I, I drank drank all through my twenties my and into my 30s and my career kept getting better and my life kept seeming better on the outside. A nicer apartment, nicer car, better trips. Um, And I just felt so depleted and so empty and all of the things. And I was just searching externally for for everything in every way I possibly could. When I was 33, I was in a relationship. Um, I got pregnant and lost the pregnancy at um just shy of of 12 weeks it was a very horrible experience for me and my drinking turned from this like fun escape to this escape escape Mm -hmm. i drank a lot more on my own Um, i wasn't able to fully process the experience that I had gone through. Um, I wasn't able to fully process, you know, the divorce that had come before that. There was a whole combination of of emotional, horrible, emotional things that I just wasn't processing. And I was drinking my way through. And shortly thereafter that, um, I got a, a DUI. Um, and it was, A horrible experience, you know, and I had so much shame around my DUI and my pregnancy loss and my divorce that had come before that and all of the things. And, um, I just kept it all to myself and dealt with it all on my own. You know, only maybe two people even knew that I had a DUI at the time and i share all of this to say that these were really horrible things that kept bringing to light the issue with my drinking but they were never enough for me to stop drinking um in fact i just self-medicated more with my drinking and um it wasn't until i was turning 36 so i was i was 35 going into my 36th year where I started to feel like nothing was fun anymore. Like nothing. It was like all of the the pain I had been pushing down, all of the emotional experiences, everything to just kind of keep showing up and keep going forward and you know, continuing to party and continuing to drink. Um it was like I was just going through the motions and I was just broken broken. And I started searching everywhere (laughs) to try and fix myself. You know what I mean? I was like going to therapy. I was, um, you know, trying meditation. I was trying to run. I was doing all of these things. You know, I was like, just grasping and my real like rock bottom for me, my emotional rock bottom came after a um, another breakup. You know, it was kind of like you're sitting there, you're going through this breakup that feels like every other breakup mm-hmm. with a person who's been the same version of every emotionally unavailable guy you've ever dated. And there's just, you know, more wine to be drank or more. And it was just kind of this it just felt like everything came closing in on me and i had gone up to um upstate new york where where my mom lives for for a visit for one for one weekend shortly thereafter and i went out with some friends and got drunk and was in my mom's garage at 36 years old and too wasted to find my keys i couldn't figure out how to get into her house And I just had a complete and total meltdown. I just started sobbing in her garage and I was like, what am I, what am I doing? What, what is this even all about? You know, I can't find keys to get into my mom's house at the age of 36 because I'm too drunk. And, um, and that was, that was kind of my, my final straw
0: oh god I was hanging on there like I was literally feel like I was watching a film as you were sort of telling me that because I just you explained it so beautifully like I can really I went through the journey with you and I resonated with with so much I always say that when I sort of tell my story it feels like like I believe everyone's stories are extraordinary right mine feels like ordinary and extraordinary it's mm-hmm. like a real every like I can imagine a million women nodding along and going yeah it was just what we did to fit in it was yeah. it seemed part of the fabric it is part of the culture it's just that I don't know the the the, the uninvited guest that is somehow always there invited yeah. in our lives that we did we weren't we didn't invite it just was there and then yeah the um just the internal the internal difficulties mm. and that confusion man the confusion of this isn't working but it, it almost sounds like it doesn't even seem an option to stop it's like why yeah no it doesn't and, and the thing is that
1: even after I had that you know <laughs> emotional rock bottom of sobbing in my mom's garage, and I'm sure you can probably relate to this, it's like, that's just the realization. Like, just that's the the moment where you realize this isn't working, but actually getting to that point where you're like, okay, I need to remove the substance, that still takes time, you know? That's something I think is so important to share, because um, I think so many people think you have this, this epic rock bottom moment, and then boom, everything changes, But really, it's just that realization that things can't go on the way they are, and then you still have to figure out what that means, yeah,
0: yeah, you do. And then there's that (laughs) I mean, we often sort of use that word the kind of liminal, yeah, uh, liminal space of like, and I think this now looking back on it, it's why it's so terrifying as well, isn't it? When you have that realization that the old has got to fall away. I can't yeah. keep doing this anymore. Something's got to change. But I have no freaking clue what it's going to look like. I have no roadmap for this. And that moment, that terrible, brilliant, beautiful, dreadful moment, you know, that yeah. I think we have, you know, we have you know, talked to people who've stopped drinking and have that some point, some point you just go, off. Oh fuck you know and it is the oh fuck that 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 is the catalyst
1: and it's interesting it's like we talk about uh you know our our sober stories or what kind of led us to sobriety and it's so hard to encapsulate like everything because there's so many nuances right so best we can do is just hit on the highlights of the things that kind of got us
0: to that moment yeah 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 for sure and so you know, so you're there. What, what do you, what do you do next? How do you begin your, your journey into sobriety, into recovery? Yeah. So I, um
1: I I had, I had that moment. And then, like I said, it was kind of this knowing, like I, I knew I had to stop drinking, but it's not that easy. It's not as easy as just stopping. Right. So I, I carried on uh, drinking, um, but not to the extent that i was because i had this new awareness um it didn't feel good i knew it didn't feel good but i didn't know i didn't have the tools to to change my habits i didn't know where to begin as you said it's kind of feels like this impossible thing and in the beginning you have absolutely no way i mean this is what keeps us drinking for so long besides the fact that it's an addictive substance you actually cannot imagine your life without this substance? Like, how, what do I do when I get home from work? What do I do on the weekends? Like it's an impossibility, right? So what I did after that moment was I continued seeking, like, you know, I, I started, I took a meditation course. <laughs> I started a meditation practice. I started working with a coach, not a sober coach. Um, but more of like a career development, personal development coach, right? Like Mm -hmm. I was just continuing to do all of this work. And in the process of, of this meditation, um, practice that I had committed to, um, I was in meditation one day and it was just all of that stuff that had come to me in my mom's garage that night just came in clear as day in meditation, like almost screaming at me, like you have to stop drinking. Like if you stop drinking, everything that you're trying to fix will, will feel alleviated. Like this is the thing, you know? And so it was at that moment that I said, okay, I I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to figure it out. So I stopped drinking. I just stopped um, I felt like I was completely floundering because what do you do, right? Like, I mean, you you know this from the work that you do and the clients that you have. It's like, what do you even do? And at this point I had gotten curious enough that I was, you know, following sober Instagram accounts and listening, starting listening to podcasts and just anything. And so I signed up for this sober summer group um, that was hosted by Amanda Kuda, who I think was just getting her start at that point. And in the past I had taken breaks from booze, you know, but it was just like white knuckling. And it was, um, just thinking of when those 20 days or 30 days would be up so you could drink again. And so I had this different, this felt serious to me. This felt like my life depended on it. you know what I mean <clears throat> yeah and so I just started baby steps. I signed up for Amanda's group and I took it so seriously. I read everything she posted. I watched every single video. I am asked questions when I felt uncomfortable asking questions. you know what I mean I just committed to mm-hmm. Not just not drinking, but not drinking and understanding why I wanted to not drink, why I was drinking. It just became really introspective. And I changed everything that I did in my life from the time I left the office to the route I took home to, you know, signing up for yoga classes when I would have gone to the bar to, you know, blocking anyone on. <laughs> Or muting anyone on Instagram who was going to give me FOMO. Mm. I didn't know. I didn't know why I was doing these things because I didn't have the language for it, and I didn't have the understanding of you know that these are real tools and things we can put in practice. I was just in this like survival mode, yeah. You know, mm. and so I did did all of of these things. I. If I had free time, I was listening to a sober podcast. If I was, you know, um, felt antsy with my hands, I would pick up and draw something, you know? I would make sure to have my booze-free drink in my wine glass because that felt good to me. And I just did all of these things to get through. Yeah, yeah. Um, I finished that month. And I didn't want to stop. I didn't, or or rather, I didn't want to start drinking again. Mm -hmm. And that felt new to me and that felt foreign to me. And so I just decided to keep going. And I remember not knowing what I was doing, how to name or identify how I felt or what this journey was. You know, I would tell people. I was on a cleanse or mm. I just had taken a little break and I was just going to, you know, keep taking a break and all of these things that cuz it's like you can't even process what you're doing yet, right? No. Yeah. So, I was um 3 months into this unidentifiable journey and I was on a train Headed back from upstate New York into New York City, and I started thinking about drinking again, and what that looked like and what that felt like, and this all of the the work that I had done to alleviate my anxiety and my worry and all of this that is one of the benefits of you know removing alcohol mm. with just the thought of drinking again just skyrocketed, you know, oh my God, I'm gonna have to moderate my drinking. I'm going to have to try and have just one and go home. Like, that feels impossible to me. Mm-hmm. Like, what does this mean? And I just had not come to terms with this idea that I could be sober forever mm-hmm. and live this big, beautiful life, you know?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I'm on this train ride and I remember saying this kind of like hail Mary prayer, you know, where you're just kind of like, please God, give me some sort of sign. Like, what in the hell am I doing? Like, I have no roadmap here. Yeah. Who, who am I without this substance? Like, what does this mean? And, and what does it all look like? And so I, I had, a. Uh, I had listened to this episode of Ruby's uh, Sober Curious podcast and she had this guest on um Holly she had a guest on Holly and Holly was talking about this book that she had written and it was going to come out in um that January or something like that and so um she had written this book it was you know going to be really groundbreaking around sobriety and all this stuff and i'm just kind of like immersed in the conversation and um at one point in the conversation ruby starts talking about astrology i don't even know how the pivot was made in the conversation <laughs> yeah. So they start talking about Bill W. and, you know, the founder of AA and his astrological sign. And Ruby goes, yeah, um, Bill was a Sagittarius sun and a Pisces moon. And I don't know much. I don't know much about those placements, but I've heard that anybody with a Pisces moon should really just steer clear of booze. And I'm sitting there listening to it and I'm like, holy shit.
0: I have a oh, your Pisces
1: moon. That was it. <laughs> Sagittarius Sun and a Pisces moon. I'm like, I have the same placements as Bill <gasps> W. He didn't, he didn't he drink the founder <laughs> of the whole of the <laughs> sign. Yeah. So I it was, it sounds so silly, but it was like I had asked for this sign, mm. and I felt like that was my sign. Like I yeah. felt like it was like okay, you know, here's this little nod. Yeah. 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 I had this tremendous sense. It's of like relief. a wink
0: from the universe. That one, it truly it? It's is. A little yeah. cheeky wink.
1: <laughs> I had this tremendous sense of relief. I literally mm. decided in that moment that I was done, done. Mm. And all of that tension, that back and forth, that imagining, it just kind of lifted. And I felt like I was 100 pounds later
0: yeah I find that really interesting because you know you talk about rock bottom and then that's almost like um the opposite it's like a nadir no it's the nadir the bottom hiatus is the top one isn't it Mm -hmm. and I feel like I had a similar like I've had I had like the stop and then I actually did go back to start um after a year but then I had another but it was like it was the moment of connection so when you said please just give me a sign and you got the sign
1: yeah
0: I mean actually what's happening in the nervous system at that point and in your brain is a moment of connection right truly actually so that's the connection the connection is made and that was enough to go ah okay okay here I am to stop that alone I'm no yeah and for me I it was listening to Tara Brack um on that last please God touch with day one the Tara Brack meditation uh the reign of self compassion and it was like I felt for the first time I'd made a connection with myself like literally uh, that was it so there's those moments that's weird sort of yeah you have those awful like moments of who the fuck am I but then you get those moments of there's the connection there's my solid ground somehow okay okay I'm gonna be okay yeah (laughs) um yeah. I and, and there that.
1: was one more big synchronicity in that moment for me, which you already know. Oh, know. <laughs> <love> Sorry, <laughs> but, so I'm listening to this interview with Ruby and this woman, Holly, and I'm like, gosh, this Holly sounds so familiar. Like her voice sounds so familiar. Where do I know this person from? And so I just get on my phone and I do a quick Google of Holly Whittaker was her last name. You might've heard of her. (laughs) And I see her photo come up and I go, holy shit, that's, holly my downstairs neighbor
0: (laughs) (laughs) i just still can't believe that story so it's It's like not only yeah (laughs) you've got the star sign of the frickin' the founder of uh, alcoholics anonymous but actually you've got kind of probably the most famous person yeah holly whittaker is your neighbor yeah there's a couple of signs there we're
1: texting i'm like oh (laughs) this is the woman i text about like you know what's going on with her cat and did she hear that noise outside (laughs) And meanwhile, you know, I've probably been like just absorbing her, her energy or something. I mean, it was the most wild connection and it was this just purely, you know, like it was just a pure synchronicity moment. And I was like, okay, I hear you loud and clear.
0: I think the universe had your back.
1: Yeah, truly.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love that story. I just love that story so much. It's hilarious. You just had a really good sense, actually. You followed your kind of instincts about what you needed. Mm -hmm. And it sounded like, so for people who aren't sort of sober, I suppose it would sound, I wrote down radical. Yeah. And then that led me to go on to your you know your um that's what the name of your business right it's the radical yeah. wellness um what does it mean to you the the radical yeah radical wellness why why yeah. that yeah absolutely um
1: for me what what it means and I think you know what it is that we're ultimately trying to do in sobriety or coaching people in sobriety is to reconnect with self in a seemingly radical way. Mm-hmm. I say seemingly because at first it all seems just so like, yeah, radical, right? So impossible or, or just like, you want me to do what? Or I should do what? But everything that you're doing in sobriety is just getting back to who you really are, right? And it's such a phenomenal, beautiful process. The idea, like you said, it seems like you were just kind of, or I was just kind of following what it was that I felt I needed to do is that idea of self trust, right? Mm. We lose trust in ourselves, we lose touch with our intuition, we lose touch with our real needs, you know, we default to drinking alcohol, to showing up socially for other people, people pleasing, working, all of those things. Um, Radical wellness is about taking care of yourself first and foremost, trusting yourself, um, listening to your own needs, even when they seem completely ridiculous, like trusting that that's that's what you need. That's what's coming up
0: for you, you know? Yeah, I love that. And that's that um yeah just it's so badass I think sobriety I agree and it's like that yeah Um. I mean the things that I've gosh I've learned over the last few years about and it keeps coming like it keeps coming like I've got some big boundary stuff going on at the moment and I'm kind of circling back you know and then you go through another life cycle right so yeah um, yeah then so there's more and how it's just fascinating it's like it's fascinating it's like why would we miss that? now it's like why would we why would I miss that yeah oh, oh this is freaking like the most fascinating thing that I've ever done is kind of live <laughs> I don't know what I else know I've done, but it really is it's like I'm so and I I see that curiosity in people you know you see that don't you in in clients and with SP friends sober friends go along this it's like reignition of reigniting some the fuse i don't know
1: it that's exactly it i mean when i have you know it's like when i start working with a client and at the beginning of of a program they'll always have these kind of like they feel like very far off mm. um dreams or goals like little things that they They want to achieve, but they just feel so big and impossible, right? And then you get to that point in the program where they're like, you know what? I did it. I signed up for that dance class that I've been wanting to take my whole freaking life. And oh my God, you know, and the way that I connected to like the movement and the this and the that. And you're like, that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about is like, you know, we go through our whole adult lives neglecting experiences like that yeah I think that the conversations are definitely shifting. I think that you know I would say even just the number of people who reach out to me just out of pure curiosity of like having conversations in like a safe space of of you know like i'm I'm questioning this or I'm exploring this like outside of of the coaching realm you know just like in real life yeah. It's like there's a lot more. Um, there's a lot more of discussions going on. There's so many more people who are living their sober lives out loud. There's so yeah. many opportunities for, you know, to go someplace and have delicious booze-free drinks or find an alcohol-free bottle shop. And I, I really think there's a shift happening. Mm-hmm. I, I really. I mean, I don't think we'd be doing what we're doing if
0: we didn't think that there was a shift coming yeah 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 and um yeah yeah um what was I gonna say yeah I was gonna ask you about so your foundational well-being practices yeah um
1: so movement is is huge for me um I mean that seems so simple but just being able to move my body in some form of exercise. It doesn't have to be intense exercise. It's just, I I always knew this about myself, but in sobriety realized that it's like where I do all of my processing, you know, it's how I move through emotions. It's just like such a necessary part of my wellness practice. Um, also, I do a lot of work with essential oils. They were part of my early sober toolkit um, before I knew what a sober toolkit yeah. was. What's your favorite um, one? Um, I use a lavender oil. Um, it's just, I mean, I use a lot of different oils, but I lavender is like my go-to. I'll, it's in my bag at all times. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Yeah, you know, but just... I'm-
0: so I was yes. gonna say like last week I had a really, really horrendous week the week before last. Yeah. Um, and a whole cluster of things happening on on one particular day. And I have a, a sober friend um and she lives uh quite a well, way away. You know, she doesn't live close to me. Mm-hmm. And she I got a little thing in the post and she'd sent me a her bottle. Of eucalyptus oil, she just uses it as emotional rescue. But she was mm. like, She had a feeling I needed it, I was just gonna have a mother of all days. Yeah. And so she was like, here's she'd sent me hers, her bottle. And I was like, That's yeah so sweet. Did you That's love so it? So kind. Oh my god, it literally grounded me. I was yeah, like, I was spinning. I had too much going on. Yeah. Um, and I just yeah, I rubbed it between my hands and I just smelt it and it was like, okay, I'm gonna be it's okay. Incredible,
1: yeah are really powerful. Yeah. I it was I you know it wasn't really until I I trained with you and Mandy that you were able to bring language for me around this idea of like the sensory, you know, mm-hmm. having different um like go-to sensory comfort things. I'm not being very articulate but yeah. and I was like all these things started clicking for me where I was like, "Oh my gosh, like for me I when I was first sober, I would travel with Essential oils, something I had like a bracelet made of stones that felt cool that I could Mm. touch, you know, teas, like all of these things that we kind of just use as our go tos. And those are all part of my toolkit today. I mean, finding what works, what calms your nervous system, what makes you feel grounded, and using those as a part of your consistent practice, or for me, has been, yeah. Yeah, So, yeah. And, um, you know i you know this about me too but nutrition um is a really key part of of my wellness practice and um eating well and eating enough and eating the right foods is such a a key component to sustainable sobriety in my opinion mm-hmm. um a lot of times i would i would argue all of the time when we're drinking and drinking regularly, we're neglecting our our core, you know, nutritional needs. Um, it's just you default to getting pizza or something greasy, mm-hmm. um, rather than what it is that you really need. And so um, yeah, that's really important, important to me too. Um, and I mean, honestly, I'm kind of like, a self-care queen. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Yeah, <laughs> me too. <laughs> and I'll try any any mm, of the any healing excuse. modalities <laughs> that I feel, yeah, called to. Um, I'll try it. It's one of those things that like you just or for me, like I feel I feel like that's money well spent, you know, mm. investing, investing in my my own self care, my own wellness. And so yeah.
0: Yeah. I love that,
1: yeah. I writing is a huge has been a huge part of sobriety for me. I wrote, you know, when you stop drinking and get to that point where you aren't fighting, reconnecting to the things that make you tick, where you're actually like giving in to those things, mm-hmm. um for me, it was going back, and I, I think this is very common, but going back to those things that you loved as a child, right? Which for me were reading. I used to just read voraciously when I was a kid, writing for the purpose of just writing.
0: Yeah. Things for the sake of
1: creating, oh, like just any sort of, mm. you know what I mean? Yeah. And it felt so indulgent in the best possible way. Mm. And then for me, writing became a, a true tool in my toolbox. And mm-hmm. it's something that I practice with regularity. I, you know, I have a, a mailing list for the radical wellness and my mailing list is, is, I, I mean, you know, because you have a Substack and you write beautifully and all of these things, but it's this outlet, it's, yeah. it's a way to share personal essays, not, yeah. you know, you're not selling something it's like yeah. this is this is my heart on this page for you to connect with yeah. and that's been really that's been a, a huge tool <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah 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 I, um yeah I do I had a moment of vulnerability recently because I've only just recently started that sub stack I used yeah. to just do on newsletters through kajabi which is the mm-hmm. platform i use it's just suddenly i've forgotten i'm on the podcast and i'm just having a, a little <laughs> coach, coach here about really, what's yeah. I use. <laughs> and it would be you know what's going on but actually i've reconnected like you said with writing and i've written a couple of quite honest substats the last couple of weeks man the vulnerability complex that i've I had know. afterwards but i feel and i and it's i had a couple of people get in touch with me and say thank you or just yeah of like yeah or I hope you're doing okay it sounds tough and I was like that's so lovely and actually I do it I try to balance it with like I want to provide value yeah but actually part of my recovery is not always being useful Mm -hmm. so I want to be able to be honest so it's an interesting interesting spot yeah always comfortable so how great to write into that spot whoa what are we gonna <laughs> what do I know process when we're writing in that space that feels yeah. creative right
1: and yeah and you
0: know I have this um this kind of like
1: this little motto around um like what you're describing about that kind of intense vulnerability that comes up in that push that you need to like hit send yeah or to talk about it or whatever it is and it's like I I always just hear in my head when when that happens like if it's coming up for me it's coming up for someone else so Mm. it's almost like it's like my responsibility to put it out there because even if one person reads it and it resonates yeah it matters
0: yeah yeah I agree I agree and um I feel like that's yeah there's part of the healing process as well isn't it I guess you know now talking about alcohol now talking about recovery that feels pretty safe now to me yeah it didn't yeah. at the beginning my god like pu- publishing my blog online for the first time was the first time someone outed me accidentally on the sober meetup on Facebook I literally didn't want to leave the house for about <gasps> 10 days because yeah. like, someone's out at me yeah (laughs) no one's gonna let their kids play with my kids I was just like freaking out right and now that feels safe and then some of the stuff that then comes up now it feels things about taboos you know and Mm -hmm. vulnerabilities and real things so yeah it's um yeah it's rich it's rich for sure isn't it that territory it is yeah yeah um I would like to ask you. So if I came, if I said to you, um, I'm coming to you and I'm just like, you know what? I I've got a problem with drinking. I don't think I can stop. I don't know who I am, what what I'm, you know, I can't do this. What would you what would you say to me to help me yeah. through that moment?
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would say that. Um, of course you feel like that of course you feel like um, you can't stop or or don't know how to stop or it feels like an impossibility because that's how it's supposed to feel like the first thing that happens is that you you know consciously make this decision that you want to stop well you have to battle you know all of this subconscious programming that you've subjected yourself to for all these years, you have to combat this highly addictive substance that you've been partaking in for years. It's not supposed to feel easy. Um, but I believe a thousand percent that you do have the ability to stop drinking, that you do know what it is that you really need and that that thing is an alcohol and that it's, it's, uh, it's absolutely possible to get to that place where you trust yourself again. And, um, and yeah, like I, I always say it's my absolute honor and pleasure in this lifetime to be able to help somebody find their way back there.
0: Mm, I love that. I just find a huge comfort in no matter what shit is going down every single day. If you go to, if you get up sober and you go to bed sober, that's it's enough. <laughs> you know, truly, it's yeah. Like, I, it's like that's it. I, I've I've won today. I've won. Like, <laughs> yeah, everything yeah. else looks like this things going on, flames and floods and acts of God. But you know what? I went to bed sober and I fucking won. <laughs> you know I it's mean?
1: true. Yeah. It's like. That keeping perspective, especially, you know, when you're talking to people who are in early, early sobriety Mm -hmm. and striving, uh, struggling with this idea of of perfection or like nailing sobriety, right? And it's like, did you not drink today? Did you remember to drink water and eat snacks? You know, like just keep like take care of yourself on Mm -hmm. this very basic level that a lot of us forget to do well then you've won the day
0: like that's that's actually huge yeah it's so huge it's so huge Yeah. Yeah. oh it's been so lovely to talk to you um so lovely talking to you yeah I'm really glad we got to do it and as you know we um we always end with uh well firstly what's your tip of the day yeah
1: um my tip of the day is, is this something I say often, but is to remind yourself that you're worth the effort. You know, if you're on the fence thinking, should I or shouldn't I do this thing that seems hard or that I need or whatever, I mean, just tell yourself you're worth the effort. Do the damn thing.
0: <laughs> Not fair. And what is your reason to love sober today? today oh my
1: gosh don't make me cry um my reason to love sober today is my my news that I shared with you before we started the podcast which is that I'm pregnant oh I a <laughs> moment to... that's beautiful um and I'll tell you, you know, I'm 40 years old, and I'm going to be having my first child at 40. And to a lot of people, that might seem late. Um, But for me, it feels right on time. Um, I know with absolute certainty that had I chosen another path that had I chosen to continue drinking that I wouldn't have been able to receive this gift. You know, physically, I wouldn't have been able to receive this gift. And just emotionally and spiritually, I wasn't open to receiving this gift. And it feels like my greatest manifestation in sobriety.
0: Oh, oh my goodness. Oh, you might make tear up as well. <laughs> oh. I am so yeah so delighted for you and what beautiful beautiful note to end on and what a blessing thank you thank you for letting me share oh so we'll say goodbye um so if you're immediately concerned about your drinking do just reach out get in touch send up a flare find a group to connect with um you know send a send me an email at kate at lovesober.com um I'll put everything about how to find courtney the radical wellness um on the show notes um and we say goodbye and thanks again courtney thank you it was so lovely talking to you thank you